Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Treeleaf, our 10-year mission to go, man, to go where no person has gone before. Actually, our subject today is Master Dogen's Koku, which means space. But this space, as many things in Buddhism, has kind of not the usual meaning we would say. It's not empty space, though it's empty space too. It's not the space that surrounds our planet and stretches out forever. You might say we're talking about emptiness today. But as you've heard me say many times before, this emptiness is also fullness. It's also the deep interpenetration and intimacy of all things. One very nice translation I saw from um, uh, Newman Roshi, who left this visible world recently, was the unbounded, and I like that very much. We're going to see that Master Dogen is speaking about space that is far from empty, space that is you, me, and the other guy, and the trees and the planets, and everything in between. I think physics even last week, found that space, as we think about it, is not so empty with gravity waves, right? The objects of the deepest, deepest parts of the visible universe do touch us in some way, and we them. What we consider to be empty space is actually quite full and marvelous. This is what Master Dogen is talking about today. My brother Brad Warner has a great new book. I'm only partway through, but he um, kind of takes Dogen, simplifies him, modernizes him, and shoots him back. And um, I, I'm kind of a guy. I take my Dogen straight, like my coffee black, right? Just a black coffee. But this first section, if Brad, in his marvelous way, were to put it, he might say, Dogen is saying, space is great. It's all things. And it's no thing, because there are no separate things. And it's everything. And everything is space. And that's great. And it's Buddhas. And it's fools. His book is called, I think, Don't Be a Jerk. And it's jerks. Well, that's basically what Dogen is saying in this first section, if I were to summarize it. Speaking of jerk, I just put fingerprints all over my glasses. Can't see a darn thing. No, I'm not going to rub it on my kessa. Wait a second. <laughs> that's not good. Do not use your kessa for cleaning your glasses. This is one of the rules. Okay. 
Shobogenzo Koku space, the unbounded. Because this place is where something ineffable exists. Ineffable is je ne sais quoi. I don't, the thing you cannot express, right? Because this place is where something ineffable exists, it is through the realization of these words that Buddhist patriarchs are caused to be. Patriarchs are a little sexist. We, we say ancestors these days. And because the realization of these words of Buddhist patriarchs passes naturally from rightful successor to rightful successor, the skin, flesh, bones, and marrow realize as a whole body, realized as a whole body are hanging in space. All the Buddhas, all the fools, you, your skin, flesh, bones, and marrow, the truth of the truth, we sometimes say, the marrow, the whole body, everything, just hanging, hanging out in this space, man. This space is beyond such categories as the 20 kinds of space. Now that takes a little explanation. You know, we, the 20 kinds of space, he's talking in 13th century ways here, but it's not that different from what we'd say. It means space that's the inside space, the outside space, the up, the down, the right, the space that's over there, the space that's big space, little space, the 20 kinds of space. He says, man, it's beyond all those mental measures and categorizations, you see. In general, how could space be limited to only 20 kinds of space? There are 84,000 kinds of space. There, there are countless more besides that. Nothing's left out of this, man. And there's no things to be left out because it's all just swept up in this beautiful space. I know this is kind of a spacey talk. And um, another Buddhist, beautiful Buddhist view is every individual thing holds all of this space perfectly. You do too. The whole thing, man, is in your skin, flesh, bones, and marrow. All right. Now, I've shortened this a little, but just for time reasons and also to basically get the gist of it. Um, this is about half of the koku. I've edited a little. But it starts off with this koan from the 8th century. Zen master Shakyoezo of Bushu asks Zen master Seido Chizo, do you understand how to grasp space? Seido says, I understand how to grasp it. The master says, how do you grasp it? For those who are watching with their ears on our podcast, I'm with my hands grasping empty space. The master says, do you, you do not understand how to grasp space. Sato says, so how do you grasp it, brother? The master 
grabs Sato's nostrils and pulls him, groaning with pain, Sato says. It's very brutal to yank a person's nostrils, but I have directly been able to get free or to Brad Warnerize this. Hey, man, that hurt, but now the nose knows. <laughs> uh, the master says, directly grabbing hold like this, you should have got it from the beginning because this space is so present. You've already got it. What beginning? What end? You know, whenever I read this, I uh, think of the three stooges for our folks who are not blessed with all the high points of American culture. Do you know the three stooges? They were comedians back in the 1950s and did a lot of, you know, physical comedy. One of the things they did, the guy would grab the guy's nose and pull him across the room and then hit him on the head. It was very non-Buddhist, non-Buddhist. Uh, uh, the three stooges. Uh, but um, uh, I always think of that. So Dogen just then comments, Shakyo's words, do you understand how to grasp space? Ask, are you too the thoroughly real, realized body as hands and eyes? You see your hands? Stick out your hands. Blink your eyes. Space, the final frontier. You are this, you see, your hands, your eyes. Sato clutches at space with his hand. This is merely understanding of how to ride a tiger's head. It is not yet understanding of how to grab the tiger's tail. Of course, of course the space he was grabbing was space but the hand that was grabbing it was space too. Shakyu says, you do not understand how to grab space. Not only has Sato failed to understand how to grasp it, he has never realized space even in a dream. And although he is like this, Shakyo does not want to describe it for him that which is profound and eternal. So, Shakyu grabs Sato's nostrils and pulls them. Sometimes in Zen, we don't want to put words on things. That's my habit, you know. I was joking with Sekishi yesterday that if I comment on silence, I take a thousand words to do it. That's my habit. But sometimes you just got to grab somebody by the nose and give a pull. Unfortunately, Online, uh, we have not yet perfected the technology to do this, but here, everybody, stick your nose out. All right. Now, let us learn in practice that Shakyo has put his body into Sato's nostrils. <laughs> Don't get ahead of way of saying things. You got it? Master and student here are one man. Space. The master was in the, say, the space of Sato's nostrils to begin. Better see a doctor about that condition. 
All right. Sato groans with pain and says, Hey, but it's very brutal to yank a person's nostrils, but I have directly been able to get free. Previously, he has thought about meeting another, but suddenly he has been able to meet himself. You know, we're always looking for this thing somewhere over there. Get a telescope and look for space. Where is it? And then you realize it, that it was always here. It's like, you know, I'm wearing glasses right now for our folks on our podcast. It's like the guy who says, where are my glasses? I put my glasses on top of my head. Where are my glasses? They're always there. It's like the guy in Times Square looking for New York City. I like to say. New York City, no matter how crowded, empty space. Now, um, yesterday we, we had in our book club a discussion about uh, Uchiyama Roshi sometimes saying, man, using God. He's talking about God and Buddha. And people said, you know, why is he doing this? And he studied Christianity in school. He was, uh, I think he was a religion major. And he always felt to reach out to foreigners. He needed to express Buddhism talking about God. And some people in the West these days, they got a big God hang up. So they don't like it. So yesterday I posted a, uh, a link to a Dominican monk and hermit who is 89 years old and has been practicing Zazen too for decades. And they said, how can you practice Zazen because Buddhists don't believe in God? And he said, well, my Zen master, he was, I don't know who his teacher was, but um, said, oh, oh, no, no, no. In religion, sometimes we try to look at God from a distance or from the side. Maybe in Buddhism, we're trying to look at God in the face. And I would even say, look at God in your face. One of the things is people in religion sometimes will fight, does God have blue eyes or does God have green eyes? And the blue eye people have a tendency to blow up or get angry at least at the green-eyed people. And then the other guy comes and says, well, your eyes are blue, his eyes are blue, but bluer than you think. So then the blue-eyed people start fighting amongst themselves. Maybe we say in Buddhism, it's beyond eyes, it's all eyes, it's beyond names, God, no God, Shmad, Bad, call it whatever you will. Call it Buddha, call it Shmuda. Don't call it anything. It's the glue, it's the wonderful, it's the interflowing unboundedness, the emptiness that's holding all this together, man. Here we are, alive. Grab it by the nose. You got it? Call it God, call it whatever you want. Who gives a damn? Where was I? Even a good player at grasping space needs to research the interior and exterior of space, needs to research the deadening and vitalization of space, and needs to know the lightness and weight of space. Now, now wait a second, you realize this great unbounded interflowing that's all space, but now we got to get back into life. We got to find out how this world, I just said you're this space and I'm this space and this world is space, but how does that play out? 
What does that mean? We have to put this practice into practice. We have to put this realization into real life and make it real. We have to explore how this space really affects our world. You know, we say mountains are mountains, mountains are not mountains because they're lost in space. Another great TV show from the 60s, by the way, Lost in Space. Danger, 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 Will Robinson. Remember that one? Anyway, and then we come back and mountains are mountains again. The Robinson family has gotten home. But we have to explore this. The world is the same as before, but now we've realized it's this wonderful wholeness, empty space we call God, Shmad, Buddha, Shmuda, or whatever you want. And the world is the same, but now somehow completely different because we're seeing it through this eyes that's the eye of all things. So let's research. He says, even a good player at grasping space, knowing emptiness, needs to research the interior and exterior of space, needs to research the deadening and vitalization of space. Space is beyond birth and death, but yet we have to see how it plays out in this world of birth and death, the deadening and vitalization. Needs to know the lightness and weight of space. We should maintain and rely upon the teaching that the effort in pursuit of the truth, the establishment of the mind, the practice and experience, and the assertions and questions in Buddhas and ancestors are just the grasping of space. What he's talking about here is the career of a Buddhist. You know, first you're kind of deluded, you're suffering in life, and then you, you find out about, oh, I think I'll start to practice Buddhism. So that's um, uh, the pursuit of the truth. You're going to get out there, and then you establish the mind, you get some stability, and then you get some realization, and then you feel, oh, yeah, man, I got it, space. And then you, you actually, you know, you're getting advanced in this practice. Well, it's all space. It's all Buddha all along. The bottom of the mountain and the top of the mountain is all the mountain. But yet you got to make the hike. So this is our practice. The beginner, the guy who's 50 years ex more experienced, all Buddha. But the guy who's 50 years down the road practicing probably realizes he's Buddha and is a little better at it, hopefully, than the beginner. But Buddha at the beginning, Buddha in the middle, and Buddha at the end. All right? All space. When you leave the planet Earth, space. When you get to Alpha Centauri, space. Space on the whole trip now. Space. At warp speed. All right, another koan. Archpriest Ro of Seizan Mountain in Koshu once goes to practice in Basso's order. Basso is a uh, famous teacher, too. Patriarch Basso asks him, what sutra do you lecture on? The master replies, the heart sutra, which we chanted before. That's all about emptiness is form. Form is no other than emptiness, right? Stuff is space. Space is the stuff. The patriarch says, with what do you lecture? I lecture with mind. Buddhists also like to say that all this is just mind. The patriarch says, they say mind is like a leading actor 
The will is like a supporting actor, and the six kinds of consciousness are the accompanying caste. How are these able to lecture on the sutra? That's a little, you know, complicated, and I have to go by feeling a little what they're going at here. But I believe they're saying that, you know, the, the mind is very intellectual. The data comes in the senses and in the mind. We categorize things. We judge things. We, we analyze. We try to rationally explain. And then I'm going to lecture now on a sutra. And he says, if, with all this mind that breaks things up and analyzes and tries to make it reasonable and explain it like I'm trying to do for you now, how can you possibly lecture on this thing that is beyond all that? I think that's what the question means. And the master says, if mind is unable to give the lecture, space is hardly able to give the lecture, is it? Because when we realize it, you, me, the mind, the categorizing, the analysis, the heart sutra that's written on paper, the words that are trying to express something that's ineffable that cannot be clearly expressed, the Buddha statue over there that's made of wood that represents something, though it's just an old piece of wood, all that is space too. That's where it comes from. That space gives birth to the piece of paper and the wooden statue and to you and to me with our beautiful, sometimes overly complex minds that try to an, un, analyze and understand and explain. So the master says, if mind is unable to give the lecture, space is hardly able to give the lecture, is it? The patriarch says, space itself is indeed able to give the lecture. Who's talking now except Buddha? Through my very imperfect mouth. But it's all space. The master, this is where, you know, words start to fail. So they start to get very demonstrative. The master swings his sleeves and retires from the room. The patriarch calls after him. Hey, you. That's how Brad Warner would put it. Hey, you, buddy. The master turns his head. The patriarch says, from birth to old age, it is just this. Okay. Thus, every Buddhist patriarch is a sutra lecturer. And sutra lecturing is inevitably in space. Without space, it is impossible to lecture on even a single sutra. Whether lectures are delivered on the mind as a sutra, or delivered on the body as a sutra, they are always delivered through the meaning of space. Thinking is realized, and not thinking is realized, through the medium of space. The development of tutored wisdom, and the development of untutored wisdom, and the development of innate intelligence, and the development of learned intelligence, and I'd also add the development of jerkness, and the development of whatever. Each is in space. The act of becoming a Buddha and the act of becoming an ancestor likewise must be in space. And I would just add, 
the act of being a jerk, the act of being an ignorant fool, the act of being someone who's angry and greedy and unenlightened and uh, has divisive thinking about me and I'm jealous of the other guy and where's my life going and what happened yesterday and I hate that and that thing tomorrow I'm so worried about that guy's space too. But here's the punchline. He just doesn't realize it. See, that's the difference. That's the difference. That there is no difference. But there is because the guy at the bottom of the mountain doesn't realize. Hopefully the guy towards the top has some clue. Okay, one more. The seventh patriarch, Venerable Vasumitra says, that must be the seventh patriarch in India, the mind is the same as the concrete world of space, and it reveals the reality that is coterminous with space. What a wonderful word, coterminous. When we are able to experience space, there is no right and nothing wrong. The mutual encounter and mutual realization in the moment of the present between a person facing a wall and the wall facing the person, I think that's a reference to Zazen. The mind as fences and walls. The stuff out there, I'm looking out here right now out my door here and I got, there's a wall and uh, there's a fence. There's my withered tree that hopefully is going to start to come back soon with the springtime. The mind is a withered tree. These are just the concrete world of space. To those who can be saved by this body, Buddhas manifest at once this body and preach for them the Dharma. This is to reveal the reality that is coterminous with space. To those who can be saved by another body, Buddhas manifest at once another body and preach for them the Dharma. You can take that phrase many ways, but sometimes I say listening to that Dominican monk yesterday, maybe Buddha manifested for him in a different way. Maybe his way is Jesus Christ. I don't know. It's not my way. But maybe in this world, I have a friend, I'm writing a book with a physicist. I'm trying to keep him interested in the book because he's a little frustrated with me. He keeps throwing things at me like time, and I say there is no t Anyway. Hopefully this book will someday get written, but my friend, maybe his doorway was physics. This is going to be a great book if we get this thing written, by the way. Yeah, really. But we've only got like six pages so far, but we're going to get it done. Okay. Um, to those who can be saved by another body, Buddhas manifested once another body and preached for them the Dharma. This is to reveal the reality that is coterminous with space. Being used by the 12 hours, this means the 24 hours, in old uh, Japanese and Chinese clocks, they said the day was 12 hours long. Anyway, 24 hours. Being used by the 24 hours and being in control of the 24 hours are both the time when we are able to experience space. A big stone being big and a small stone being small is no right and nothing wrong. You being you and being short or being tall with all your imperfections is no right and nothing wrong.
That doesn't mean you shouldn't fix those imperfections, by the way. It just means from the point of view of space, no right and nothing wrong. We solely investigate for the present as the right Dharma eye treasury and the fine mind of Nirvana, space, like this. I'm sorry, I'm still Fugin's bit. By the way, we're sitting today with uh, Fugin and his uh, child and uh, newborn and uh, the health and wealth and prosperity of all of them. All right. This is Shobogenzo Koku, preached to the assembly at Daibutsuji. That was the, that's Aheiji. They changed the name. Uh, it used to be Daibutsuji, which means Big Buddha Temple. On the, uh, well, uh, 1245. Okay. All right. Uh, I love to take questions using our, our great uh, ability here, both from people here and people here over there. Anyone have a question? Uh, I'm going to give Kionin first. Okay. Kionin, go first. Thank you. It's not a question. I just remembered uh, a quote from Trung, Trungpa Rinpoche. And he used to say, the bad news is you're falling through the air. Nothing to hang on to, no parachute. The good news... Can you say it again? Is, sure. The bad news is you're falling through the air. Nothing to hang on to, no parachutes. The good news is there is no ground. I really like it because everything's... Uh, um, according to what I understand, everything in space is just one thing. And the more you fight against this, the more you suffer, I think. That Trungpa, he was a kook, but he was a good one. Boy, yeah. <laughs> okay. Daniela. Um, when I listen to this, um, um, the idea that everything is one and one space and I'm space and jerks are space and um, how does this fit in with the concept of being reborn and having um, this is always a sacred moment for us wait a second Little trivia question for all of you at home. If you can say, I bet you don't know that oil heaters in Japan whistle Elvis Presley. And if anyone doubts you, you bet, you know, you go in, I bet you don't know that oil heaters in Japan whistle Elvis Presley. You play this video for them, okay, and you win the bet, okay? Go ahead. So, rebirth, yes. Yeah, so, um, I'll struck now. So, yeah, basically, how does... How can I connect the idea now of everything the space with the concept of okay. rebirth? If there is rebirth, if there is. it's space. Everything born, the withered tree and the rock and the stone, is space. So in a sense, you could say you're reborn is all that, too. If there's no rebirth, 
there's the space that's beyond birth and death. So I'm going to say it just connects whatever there is. If you come back as a dog, it's space. If you come back as a angel, it's space. And if you don't come back, it's space. But space doesn't need to come back because it doesn't go anywhere. It's space. Does it not mean that uh, we're all everything at the same time? You know, everything, everyone, and every tree and rock and mountain and dog and priest and... Yeah, from a, a certain uh, perspective, it very much means that. Yes. Yes, it does. Did you hear her question? She said, does it mean that from a certain perspective, we're also every dog and tree and stone and jerk and priest, priest and Captain Kirk and <laughs> Adolf Hitler and you name it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, from a certain perspective, it does exactly that. Yes. But yet we're not. I'm not Captain Kirk. But that makes... But I don't know how hypocritical some of it. That makes the principle of rebirth obsolete in a way. Because if we're everything all the time anyway, then how can you reduce it then to one single being? Well, don't worry your little head about it too much. If there is rebirth, it's space. If there's no rebirth, it's space. Space all around. Unlimited supplies. Okay. Any other question? Kionin, yes. Uh, just uh, a, a little way I think I have to understand this is uh, I was listening to Daniela, and maybe I I can help her understand. Hope uh, the way I, I understand this is that uh, if, when you see things in a microscope, for example, this stick, you would see molecules separated from each other. But if you see the object from the outside of a micro of a microscope, you see a solid object. But in reality, it's not solid at all. It's just that uh, it, it's made of so many molecules or, and, and cells and, and atoms that there's uh, empty space between them, but they are uh, united when you look at them uh, from afar. And the same goes um, with the Earth. Uh, here in, in the Earth, you see people, you see objects, you see stuff. But when you see the planet Earth from the International Space Station, you just see one blue rock floating in space. And from up there, there's no people, there's no um, sticks, there's no computers. Um, maybe there's the Great Wall of China, but that's because that's a huge object. But in the end, um, when you break this stick, it's made of space surrounded by space and we are just the same thing and when you see those objects from far even the elvis presley song is space right 
With all due respect so to Elvis, I, I suddenly wanted to break into Bette Midler. You know, that's from a distance. <laughs> we right. are harmony. You know that song? Okay. Come on in, Raj. I thought I saw you sneaking around out there. Don't be shy. We're going to have now a short Zazen. And uh, short uh, Kinhin, because Zazen, we, it's important to remember, is not a matter of long and short. So just grab his off food. Okay, I'm going to ring the bell. You guys go. Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.